Your life is precious. Help is on the way. That is the answer that I have to continue to give. He wrote me a letter last week and he said, you know, if not for you, what would I do? He said, you've made a great impact on my life. You've came in and you've not only helped me, you've helped my family to, to understand how this works, to show them resources that'll help us both to be able to take care of me and for them to be able to live as well. Highlight him all the time because he's one of the main reasons why we keep pushing. Welcome to another episode of Advocates in Action, a podcast created by the National Patient Advocate Foundation, a nonprofit that develops initiatives promoting equitable access to affordable quality health care through policy action and partnerships. I'm your host, Ashley Freeman. Today, I'm honored to speak with one of our MPAF volunteers, Jamie Stokely. Outside of running her nonprofits, she enjoys trips to the beach and making TikTok videos with her son and niece. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me today, Jamie. I know you are a patient advocate and very active in your community. So tell us about your work. I'm the owner of Helping Hands of the Cape Fear Home Care Agency. So we provide that unique home care services to the disabled and aging community as well alongside I'm the owner of Helping Harvest Foundation Incorporated, which is a nonprofit advocacy foundation that fill those gaps and provide the resources to those same communities. When I first launched Helping Harvest, it was tough getting the resources that the family need. We was navigating through all types of systems, going to the Disability Resource Center, along with the Senior Resource Center, and they were providing the resources, but not on a larger scale. So I went out and reached farther. I said, you know, I'm going to get what my families need. If they need these resources, they have to be out here in this world somewhere, and I'm going to get them. So, <laughs> <laughs> I started just doing my research, and I ran into some other foundations, and I researched a little bit about NPAF and PAF, jumped on one of their calls and was listening in. I'm like, this is it. It was an immediate connection. I'm like, they have the same mission and values and and vision that I have here in North Carolina. They're a larger organization, so they have the resources, and I I don't feel like I'm on an island alone anymore. That's awesome. And and I love how you said once you found out about MPAF and PAF and all of our services, you didn't feel like you were on an island alone. So with the work that you do with both of these organizations, how large is your staff that does all this work? Well, now we have a staff of 15 to 18, and we now have 12 volunteers on the foundation side. Um, Our staff right now, we're capped because we're in the process of trying to build capacity. And how did you get into this work? I can feel the passion in your voice for helping people and for serving people. But where did this passion and drive come from? I took care of my mom. My mom was diagnosed with lupus and COPD at the age of 16. Me and my mom was best friends. I'm saying like a best friend that you have, that you just do everything with, tell everything to, that kind of best friend. And so when she was diagnosed, you know, we, we, we didn't have the financial ability to hire advocacy or private in-home care. She had Medicaid and Medicare and CAP services. And the first couple of years, you know, I was only 16, so I couldn't do much. But at the age of 18, you know, I started to look at it in a different scope. I'm like, 
my mom is not going to just live this ordinary life just sitting in this house without the resources that she needs. I mean, she's not going to be treated any differently because she has a disability. She has an oxygen tank. Yeah. She has a wheelchair. Yeah. But does that really make her indifferent? You know, she wants to go to school and she wants to do things just as I do. So at that time, I started to just navigate through the resources at age 18. I just, you know, like gave up my life almost. I stopped, you know, hanging out with my friends. I stopped going to college at that time because I felt like that was just that important, that she lived the quality of life that she deserved until time went on. And it was heartbreaking because it was like I had to. It's like everything in my body had to night and day research and figure out how. And I did. I navigated through Medicaid, Medicare, Meals on Wheels, all kinds of services. We went to the Y together. She went back to school. Every year the doctors would say, you know, she's not going to make it another six months. And we're like, yeah, she is. We're going to make it. We're going to live up until that Mm -hmm. point. And so I was her advocate. I was her in-home aide. I was her advanced care aide, being that I had a healthcare background. So my mom was not the one that was just there and going to be mistreated. And with me being there, I seen the difference it made in the quality of her life versus the other patients that I would deal with or take care of that didn't have those services because they could not afford them. As I say, we couldn't afford them, but I was there. And with that deep passion, it just soared, Ashley. It just came out of, you know, some things are just within you. You just have to get it out. And so with that being my mom and my best friend, it's like it just came out without other. And since then, she passed away in 2016. And when she did, I said, you know what? I grieved. Yes, I did. You know, that was she was very close to my heart. But since then, I said, you know, I'm this is what I do. I do this Mm -hmm. naturally. With everything in me, I want to make sure that the disabled and aging community has the quality in-home care that they need, the resources that they need to have quality care in or out of home in the community, no matter their financial or social status. Thank you so much for for sharing that with me. It's obvious that you care so much and that you get to be a living representation of everything that she taught you, of her legacy. And now the help and the service and the care that you provide for others is just an extension of her. So even though she's not here physically on earth with us, she lives throughout you. And that's that's beautiful to see. And I really, truly admire you for continuing that path and just having a heart of a servant. Thank you, Ashley. I get that a lot. Sometimes I'm just in a room, not even speaking or speaking, and I get that. And I just will continue on this path of trying to build capacity in the communities that I live in to make sure that everybody is cared for. And I say all the time, even to my staff, if you don't have the compassion to do this type of service, don't do it. It's like a second nature of wanting to provide that care genuinely. And that's what we do. Yeah, that's beautiful. And do you have a story of a patient that your company has helped that reminds you of the impact that you all are are making in your community? One that sticks out in my mind is a patient and he's paralyzed. He has family in town, but his parents are also older as well. 
So they try to take care of him the best they can, but they can't do it all. We go in as home care services and advocate for him. He likes to be very active in the community. But some days he's like, I'd rather just not live. Then to see my family and my parents have to go through this one more day. And for me to have to continue to call on to you, helping hands in the way that I do. And I have to respond, let them know, listen, you know, your life is precious. Yeah. Help is on the way. That is the answer that I have to continue to give. And, you know, to provide service to him, rather paid or unpaid. He wrote me a letter last week and he said, you know, if not for you, what would I do? He said, you've made a great impact on my life. You've came in and you've not only helped me, but you've helped my family to, to understand how this works, to show them resources that will help us both to be able to take care of me and for them to be able to live as well. I highlight him all the time because he's one of the main reasons why we keep pushing. That is the perfect example of why your work is so important. When you were sharing that, it made me think that he feels like he's a burden on yeah. his family. And before you all stepped in to help, his family might not have had the capacity or the knowledge to be able to navigate this. In one of our previous seasons, we talked about caregiving and how people are usually thrust into becoming caregivers without even knowing that they are a caregiver. They just think, this is a family member. They are sick. I'm going to help them. They don't know that there's resources out there. So maybe before you all stepped in, his family did feel overwhelmed, but you all were able to lift that off of their shoulders and help him as the patient being served realize, no, you're not a burden. You just had unique needs and maybe your family didn't know or have the tools to be able to help you before, but now here we are. Like you said, help is on the way. Absolutely, Ashley. That's exactly what we bring to every client that we serve. I know you also mentioned about the financial piece. So what are some top resources and tools that you equip your patients with to be able to navigate that? We help them apply for their Medicaid, Medicare or insurance, retirement benefits. Sometimes these clients just don't know how to navigate those systems and they're like, I don't have any insurance or I have retirement plans, but I don't know how to mess with that computer. So I've never even looked at it. So we try to first get an understanding of what is there, where did they work, do they have anything set up, any pensions that we make and help them navigate through first. Secondly, we try to find the organizations in the community that already have these grant fundings. So we may go to the Disability Resource Center and advocate for this patient and let the center know we have this patient here. These are their issues. They fit your criteria. We will help them apply and provide all of the documents needed and see if we can get them enrolled in your program. We'll go to those resources and we'll be that voice. Helping Harvest is now trying to put that grant in process so we can be that resource as well. So that would be a grant that your patients can apply for to help them with that financial piece? Absolutely. And the financial piece would be for advocacy or home health care. We look more at advocacy because advocacy is not covered up under Medicaid and Medicare. Mm -hmm. It is in somewhat covered up under long-term care. They call it LTC. They have a benefit package for advocacy care and legal services, but you have to have that 
policy included. Once you open the policy, you can't go back and change and say, you know, I need advocacy services. The Medicaid only covers three hours or their LTC only covers eight hours. But in actuality, they need a ride to the grocery store. They don't have transportation or they need those non-medical services beyond the three hours or the eight hours that we provide. But they don't have the financial ability to pay that private pay. You know, so what we're trying to do is have that grant set aside for those needs so we can provide those non-medical resources and advocacy to the clients that we serve. I admire you all for realizing that that's where the gap is. Really speaks to the understanding that you all have of your community. You all are not only serving a community, but you're a part of the community that you serve. And that is really admirable. What would happen to the people that you serve if they didn't have access to the services that you provide? If we remove as an organization, remove ourselves, our clients just would not have the quality of life that they have. We've made such a great impact on the clients that we serve. We have went into homes where clients were just watching TV and we've showed them ways to get out into the community. I mean, mm. we have parks that have wheelchair accesses now and mm. monkey bars where you can cross in your wheelchair for children that are disabled. And mm. these things are out here. We have now ramps around UNCW, the, the colleges, and to know those things is everything. Because mm-hmm. without knowledge, you're in a shell. So we try to make sure that we provide those things. We don't stop researching and trying to find these resources until the client to have that drive and to see the life that it brings to them, the excitement that we have. Even when we come back to the table, we meet monthly with the family and our advocacy team. And to see them so thrilled with looking at my plan and seeing where I've come from and what I'm doing now and what am I getting into next for a disabled or Asian person and their family, actually, it just brings life. And without it, you know, I'm just not sure where the, what they would do. I love that. You said it brings life. I think that's the perfect definition of what your organization does. You all bring life. You ignite life into people who might have otherwise felt like the world around them forgot about them. And you all have been able to do the work to show your patients, hey, you can have a high quality, fun-filled, exciting life. And I think that is beautiful. Well, thank you, Ashley. We try to bond and build that type of relationship with our clients so that they can know, for one, they have a friend. You know, for two, they are included. When we talk about being inclusive, that doesn't only mean certain things like race. What about the disabled? They need to feel included as well. And so we just make sure that our clients feel that. What would you do to change the system in order to help the the people that you serve to get better access to the care and services they need? You know, if you just had a magic wand, what would those changes look like? Well, it would be a bit much, but I'll keep it narrow. We would have funds available for in-home care and short-term hospitalization to satisfy the needs of the clients that have a disability intellectually, mentally, socially, or physically. Because those barriers hinders them from living a good quality of life, no matter what the ailment is, what is at the end of their roadmap. 
If they want to be in school and be successful and be doctors, lawyers, whatever they want to be, being mm -hmm. that they do have that need and they are disabled or mentally or socially challenged or mm -hmm. financially challenged, I feel mm -hmm. as if the policymakers need to make sure that policies are in place to fill those needs. Yeah. I mean, healthcare is already at a scarce. You know, some can afford it, some cannot. You know, Medicare and Medicaid covers certain things and certain things they don't. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there should be an extension of those services in some kind of way. Okay, if you get Medicaid and Medicare and you cannot afford those non-medical needs or those service needs as in transportation, food, clothing, whatever it is that you need to get to your the end of your map that you have created or we have created together, it shall be funded first and foremost. I love how you said the end of the roadmap planning what that journey looks like. I love that visualization. So for you and your organization, what's next on the horizon? What are you excited about? Um, we have now applied for different things. HOP is new to our community. It's called the Healthy Opportunities Pilot. And it is a pilot that actually helps build capacity in our community and provide funding for these non-medical needs to have set on patient Congress panel and voiced the need for North Carolina and what we needed and where the gaps were last year, you know, and to kind of see some type of feedback just gives me life. You know, it gives me hope for our communities, you know, to just see one step. I mean, I'm not saying that I was the influencer. I'm just saying <laughs> <laughs> I wanted the people to listen and yeah. I was bold enough to speak about it and to see a change. It excites us. It's, it excites my staff. I mean, we have these meetings and we're like, do you see this? Yeah. You know, things are coming up and we're just excited about being able to help more people and yeah. provide the, the services that we provide. I mean, because yeah. we research our competition all the time. We have competitive analysis and yeah. we know that we are unique in what we do. You know, yeah. we value professionalism and the way we handle our patients and the unique services that we give them. We want to be able to give that to a larger group of people. So we're excited about, you know, strategizing on how to do that and how to get that done within Helping Hands of the Cape Fear and Helping Harvest Foundation Incorporated. I'm Ashley Freeman, and thanks for listening to this episode of Advocates in Action. If you haven't yet, please subscribe, review, and share this podcast. Your support is greatly appreciated. We enjoy connecting with our listeners, so please visit our website at npaf.org slash podcasts for show notes, resources, and ways to engage with us on social media. Thanks for listening.